0: Hello, and welcome to Alcohol-Free Radio. I'm your host, Chris Becker, and I'm excited to have you join us. Whether you are new to the amazing and growing alcohol-free community, or someone who is already familiar, we hope you enjoy our program. This is where you can hear from some people making a real difference, whether as brewers or producers of amazing beverages, influencers in the community, authors, storytellers, and more. We aim to break it down and bring it all together. Hi, welcome to Alcohol Free Radio. Uh, This is Chris Becker and I am introducing you to this episode. Uh, I had the chance to talk to Kara Pachnook, who is my nutritionist, and have had a chance to talk a lot about, you know, habits, what's going on. know before the pandemic and during the pandemic in terms of people thinking about their own nutrition and habits and obviously i looked at it from an alcohol and alcohol-free perspective so it's been very much part of our conversations when we meet just about nutrition and i thought that intersection might be interesting to talk about and kind of get a take from somebody outside of the alcohol or even alcohol-free space in terms of um, people that live it and breathe it, who have great stories to tell, but somebody who's really you know, coming at it from a, a different perspective. So uh, that is why Kara Pachnouk is here with me from Nourish and Nosh, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. Hi, this is Chris, and welcome to Alcohol Free Radio. And as I said, I am excited for you to meet Kara Pachnouk, who is the founder and proprietor of Nourish and Nosh. And full disclosure, I wanted to have Carol on this podcast for quite a while uh, because she's my nutritionist. And we've known each other, I guess, for a couple months. And I have learned a whole pile. And we have lots to talk about whenever we meet and wanted to get her take on all things alcohol-free because of a lot of things that I would imagine Different people would see as the intersection of nutrition, more broadly speaking, food and alcohol and its role in our society and our uh, our healthy habits and our eating and uh, drinking habits. So before we begin, uh, full disclosure, I did that already. You are my nutritionist. I am your and, nutritionist. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us a bit about you and your background and how it brought you to Nourish and Nash.
1: Sure. So I have a degree in human nutrition from the University of Bridgeport, which is here in Connecticut. And I've always been fascinated in food and nutrition specifically. Uh, growing up, I worked for a farm uh, back in the day. Plasko's... For a farm? On a farm? I sold Family pro- farm? I sold produce. So I didn't actually, okay. I once I picked sold flowers. produce. Did you really? Yes. Where? At the,
0: produce at the Ontario food terminal. I sold flower stock and and uh fruit and vegetables same
1: idea i worked farmer's markets so all along fairfield county i once sold susan sarandon tomatoes back in the day that was very exciting um
0: that is interesting
1: i almost told her she looked like susan sarandon but i kept my mouth shut i was like 18 (laughs) years old um so i grew up you know working around food seeing the farmers and they would teach me a ton about vegetables um, you're probably so sick of me talking about vegetables. I am, uh,
0: yes, I thought we would at least not have to talk about <laughs> vegetables during the podcast. But I'm I, somehow weasel. You asked. Wrong. You literally asked. So I'm bringing it
1: up. Um, and I would, I would like target these older women and be like, "Tell me exactly what you're doing with this food. Tell me your recipes. Tell me everything." I was like 17 years old, obsessed with these with these older women at the farmers markets and. You know, long story short, went to college. I went to a little school in Massachusetts. Took a nutrition course. Did very bad in it. Fun fact, um, really bad <laughs> professor. I was a. I wish <laughs> you'd told me that
0: before I hired you.
1: I was a neuroscience major because that seemed really, really like a great use of my, um, you know, time and energy. And then the recession hit, and I worked a tough job with um, behavioral kids with behavioral issues and. A foot to the face one day led me down a deep, literally, foot got kicked in the face, which yeah. led me to a Google search, pros and cons, I need to do something with my life. It's 2010, 2009, and landed on nutrition. I love the idea of helping people. I love the idea of changing people's habits, but not too much, teaching them about food, because again, my interest was there. I just didn't have the tools to then right. share that. So. I enrolled at the University of Bridgeport, great program, and that was. I graduated almost a decade ago. Worked a few jobs with some doctors, um, a business up here for about five and a half years, and then S- September of 2019 opened Nourish and Ash Nutrition, which has been my dream all along. But I've never had the, um, I don't want to say motivation, but I've never had the tools to really go start a business. And yeah. I, I having a daughter really pushed me to want to have control over my own business and my hours right. and my schedule. And me and Google started a business in September of 2019 because <laughs> I know they don't teach you how to run a business in nutrition school. Um, and here I am. So the practice is only a year and a half old, but I've been doing this for almost a decade.
0: Okay. That's yeah. great. And um, what would you say in terms of your practice are the kind of primary areas of focus around the things you do and also talk about with your clients
1: great question so weight loss is definitely up there Um, it's what i did before starting nourish and ash has always you know that's always going to be around but i've definitely in my own practice gotten into more issues with um digestive issues a big one autoimmune um, and then some kids nutrition which is exciting so getting You know, to work with young females and males who, you know, mom and dad are doing a great job, but they could use a little extra support. You know, the child's really athletic, but they're not feeling good when they're practicing because they didn't eat a good breakfast or they skipped lunch. They have no energy. um, They're falling asleep after practice. And so I come in and really help, you know, mom, dad, the caregiver and the child understand how food is fuel, how it makes us feel. Um, how to eat balance. I mean, that's a big thing I've been teaching people um, is it's not so much about what you shouldn't eat. It's about what you should be adding into your diet, you know, not skipping things, not going eight hours without eating, um, how to navigate a grocery store, how to navigate uh, restaurants, not as much now, but um, just how to have a positive relationship with food, but then also how to be really organized in – you know, utilizing the tools I'm giving so they don't get overwhelmed and stressed out and then say, screw it, I'm just gonna, you know, lay on the couch and eat ice cream all night.
0: Okay, well, speaking of that, um, one of the reasons uh, that I kind of thought that this, that there was an intersection here, which obviously there is, um, but kind of getting into it a a level deeper was, you know, from my own experiences with nutrition, a lot of it is, I, I know the right things to do. I mean, I've learned a lot. But there's, you know, a lot of it is some fundamentals, and it's a matter of just not doing it or doing it for a little while and then falling out of the habit, which gets me into that topic of habits and preconceived kind of thought patterns. And, you know, when you then look at that from an alcohol perspective, those things, you know, come into full relief Um, and thinking about how the two can be connected. So, you know, getting things going, I can speak from my own experience and then you start drinking and then you start drinking a little more. And then before you know it, you're off the rails. Like your sleep patterns are screwed up. Like alcohol just touches beyond a certain amount can put you into the red zone, redlining on almost anything. Um, And I think healthy food habits is one of the first things to go. So I kind of, you know, I've got some I want to talk a bit more about kind of everything that's been happening lately with people being at home more and all the stresses of everything that everyone's gone through over the last couple of years. But before even getting there, just talking more generally about, you know, pretend the pandemic had never happened and we were having this conversation before that. What would be kind of the general or typical place in which alcohol might come up in those conversations and talk if you could talk a bit about like you know what what would be your 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 what, what's the what's the standard nutritional kind of or what's your take on where it does and doesn't you know where where you would talk about you know alcohol consumption
1: that's a great question because i feel like to answer that there's the one perspective which would come from someone you know maybe a little bit more of like a dietitian where they're looking at this has so many calories, and this is how we weave it in. Now, being a nutritionist, not a dietitian, and coming from the University of Bridgeport, where we were very much trained under functional medicine practitioners, my approach is slightly different.
0: Okay.
1: So, when I'm working with people and I'm going over these habits, and we do talk about things like sleep and you know what their day looks like, alcohol always comes up. So. I'm talking to them about their nighttime routine and they're walking me through their day if they don't include it i will ask like what does your relationship look like you know how often are we drinking what does it look like what glass are you drinking out of i really try to put myself in their shoes to understand what is what what is their habit what where are they in their house so they're in their kitchen okay um they had a really long day so they pour themselves a glass of wine while they're eating, and they're drinking it while they're eating. Now, with digging, I then know they didn't eat lunch, or they ate lunch at, like, noon. They ate nothing the rest of the day. So they're drinking wine while they're cooking. So all this sugar is going into an empty stomach. And Mm. they're making their dinner, they're eating, they're drinking, they you know, whip out the cheese because alcohol is hitting them quicker because there's nothing in their stomach. They whip out the cheese while they're cooking. (laughs) They start eating the cheese. Then they start with the crackers and then food's ready. And they're like, I'm not really hungry. So I'm just going to go sit down. Then they fall asleep. They don't eat their dinner. They wake up at 10 o'clock. They're thirsty. They drink a bunch of water. They're up all night going to the bathroom. They don't sleep very well. The next morning they find themselves so hungry. They, They have a little bit of like a mental fog going on. They, they're not going to make a good choice first thing in the morning. So they're, you know, and this has a lot to do with alcohol's effect on right. sleep and also the fact that they're drinking on an empty stomach thinking it's going to reduce the stress of the day, which we know that's not how that works. It may temporarily, sure. they feel better in the moment yeah. once they crack open that cheese, you it know, that, that, that they're eating
0: aspect to it. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then, and then the next day they feel crappy. And they're tired and then they come see me and they're like, Why do I feel so crappy? It's like, well, let's talk about this. A, you're you're going seven hours without eating, and the first thing you're putting in your empty stomach is a glass of wine. Well, that's a recipe for disaster. So, you know, pre pandemic, it always came up in conversation, but it I I would always ask it in a in a non judgmental way. I don't judge anyone. I right. mean, I hear things constantly, very interesting things. Can't judge <laughs> anything at this point. Nothing phases me. But i like to get an idea of what is their relationship with alcohol where does it where is is it casual is it weekends is it nightly i've seen everything at this point once the pandemic hit (laughs) all bets were off and people who have asked that question to originally i had to then re i mean it it would come up they'd say to me listen i was feeling great and now i don't because of x y and z and alcohol was definitely one part of that equation um But i'd say pre-pandemic people turn to it for stress reduction and instead of nourishing their body instead of you know practicing self-care they're drinking
0: right
1: and that was never ever making them feel better it always made them feel worse i mean i recognized that early into my career career as a nutritionist interestingly enough it didn't it didn't come up as often when i worked for a doctor and i don't know if it's because It just was never really disclosed to me. It wasn't, maybe it's because they weren't paying to see me because I was working for their doctor, but it wasn't until I I started in that private practice setting where people were paying money to be like, okay, I don't feel good. I want to feel better. And then they were laying it all out on the table. So that's when, as a practitioner that I started, you know, and, and to go back to the not looking at it from a calorie perspective, I was looking at it more as why are they doing it? When are they doing it? How are they doing it? What are they actually drinking? So if I see, if I hear someone tell me they go to the bar and they would drink like five light beers, I'm like, well, yeah, you're drinking five light beers because you're sucking them down. You're feeling incredibly bloated. You're not eating dinner because you just drank five light beers. You're going home. You're falling asleep on the couch, again, with the sleep because it really affects your sleep. You wake up the next morning starving, and you're grabbing those highly processed, highly palatable foods to then elevate your blood sugar, and it's a roller coaster the whole next part of the day. And it's like I would almost rather have someone drink one beer. Non-alcoholic would always be, obviously, first <laughs> choice. But, like, one, eat a meal, enjoy it. You know, people people are funny. They want, you know, things in excess, and it's they get caught up in certain things, and they think it's going to make them – Less stressed, and it doesn't. I mean, it literally never does. It makes things just
0: worse. Yeah, and I think, you know, there, there's that kind of even before the pandemic, and you know, I mean, alcohol consumption or alcohol sales is actually down during the pandemic, but that's because restaurant sales are almost to nothing. Right. Home liquor purchase is through the roof. It's just net, net. It's slightly down. because of that. So I think it's interesting that, you know, there's always been an element of it being there. And I've, you know, speaking from personal experience, and maybe it's easier for someone like me, who's it's like, yeah, well, I d- you drink so much, or enough, that you're seeing the effects. It's very clear. Like, horrible sleep, your eating patterns the next day are completely messed up, or even for a few days. Mm-hmm. And um, you're eating a lot of crappy food. But, you know, the idea that even a couple drinks you know, it's very manageable. And it's not to say again, even, you know, with better roads, it's more about, hey, let's try some different things that are fun, that might be a mixture into your drinking. It's not about abstinence, as a direct, you know, focus. Um, But it's there even at at the smallest amount, but because those who are, or some of the readings you might do is in alcohol, It's, you know, even from the first drop, it's basically a poison to your body.
1: Absolutely. And some
0: of the um, research more recently, you know, that people often, you know, might quote things about red wine and how that's good for your heart and things like that. But even that's now coming back, getting dialed back a bit. Like the UK has updated their alcohol guidelines in terms of recommended intake downward. And the US is about to do the same.
1: Well, I always found that so fascinating because. Again, nutritionist, I'm always a big proponent on whole foods. And when people would try to justify, well, you know, red wine's good for your heart, it's like there's a lot of things good for our heart. Like, red wine is not on some pedestal. There's so yeah. many other foods that are going to be more heart healthy. And you know what? A glass of red wine does not offset the, you know, Donuts that you got the next morning because you're nursing a hangover. You know, that's actually, you're throwing tons of sugar into your body. And sugar, we know, increases inflammation. Inflammation is linked to just about every health issue from, you know, psoriasis to heart disease. I mean, so from an inflammatory perspective, sure, there are benefits, but it, it, it's not only found in something like red wine. So people would try to use that to me to justify why they're drinking mm-hmm. red wine every night. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like you, you you, don't get to justify, you know, three glasses of red wine at night and have a crappy diet. that doesn't That doesn't balance it. Like we need to start from <laughs> the moment you wake up and get balance in your day and talk about the three glasses of wine you're having at night because you're not going to be able to wake up and have that good balance if you, you know, you got a poor night's sleep and your hunger hormones right. are surging in the morning after that. I mean, <laughs> the, the insatiable, I mean, I mean, people are like, I don't know why I'm so hungry. I'm like, you had a bad night's sleep. Why'd right. you have a bad night's sleep? You drink too much last night.
0: Interesting. So what, um, I mean, back to your earlier point from a judgment perspective or even, you know, at Better Roads, it's, it's a lot about kind of making alcohol-free fun, easy, and tasting great, that there's choices, that you're getting kind of exposure to some of the things. And I brought Kara around our warehouse uh, just before this to kind of just get a feel for it because it's amazing to kind of, when you see it kind of out in front of you. Um, but a lot of times it's like, look, where this fits into your life, you know, it's for you to decide. There's lots of different ways. It's just giving you more choice. So with that kind of as a backdrop, looking at nutrition, looking at alcohol consumption as just something that's part of our, our life in our, our society. One of the words that we, you know, gets thrown around a lot uh, is moderation. So, and it's, and it's, while the word's not directly used, things like mindful drinking or sober curious, they all kind of are, in and around this idea of there's an amount, you know, moderate an a moderate amount that is the right amount. Maybe that's not the best word for it, but it's an amount that's not too much, not too, you know, it's kind of like the Goldilocks amount. Yeah. Um, talk, can you talk a bit about that? And I'm not asking for like scientific numbers of drinks per week or something, but what does that, like, how do you even interpret that, that concept? And, and it's more for how do we help people interpret that concept? Because When they're trying to calibrate what that means to them, knowing that everyone might be a little different. Well, what
1: I thought was so interesting about seeing the warehouse and seeing just how much is actually out there. I mean, my mind is blown more by the spirits. I didn't know that was a thing until you'd mentioned it, but then actually seeing the bottles. Um, what right. I think is so cool about that is part in in our culture, or at least I should say what I see. I see drinking in two perspectives, the stress-reducing end of the long day, but more often the social. Now, obviously the social stuff got put on the back burner for the last year, but people are ramping up, getting ready for the summer. People are vaccinated. They're excited to to do right. things. So I'm going to be talking about a lot more in my practice, but where I see this going, and this is just like a great alternative is in those social social situations where I'm trying to tell people like, okay, I get your... Let's pretend it's pre-pandemic. Like, okay, you're going to a party. You have a cup in your hand. You can alternate Or you should alternate a drink with maybe some seltzer with a drink with seltzer. Right. And at the end of the day, all they care is that they have something in their hand. They just want to hold something. They're at a wedding. They feel awkward. They want to hold something. So it's yeah. not even... I mean, I'm sure for some people, yes, the the, the effects sure. that alcohol has. But for a lot of people, it's the 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 socializing, the feeling like you're yeah, participating, the ritual, the ritual of holding something in your hand. I mean, I've had people who were cutting down their alcohol consumption. It's putting seltzer in a wine glass. It's just that like habit of, you know, picking up a glass and putting it to our mouth. So having the alternatives and spacing out, so using it as a tool of, of, You have a wedding. It's a really long day. If you were to be drinking every, you know, every time there's a glass in your drink and it's alcohol, you are going to feel terrible the next day. (laughs) You are going to possibly you're gonna have a great wedding, maybe, or things could get really, really (laughs) messy. Embarrassing wedding, (laughs) very embarrassing wedding. (laughs) Um, and that's that question of like the Goldilocks, (laughs) like when is too much? You get, I mean, the thing that. I think where better roads is fabulous is like the summer post pandemic. Nobody knows how to act around other people. I mean, you <laughs> yeah, know, no one seriously. <laughs> so if you could like socialize and have a good time and not be just taking in more than you're used to, or more than you should have and alternating, you know, drinks. I mean, I think that's a great tool. A lot of it's just feeling that sense of like belonging and that socializing and holding something in your hand. What I found, you know, as as someone who has a toddler when I was pregnant and I've shared this with Chris, it was really, really hard to get a mocktail anywhere except for a handful of places. I felt weird. I didn't want to just drink water at the table. I I wanted right. to feel like I was belonging. I mean, you're pregnant for a very long time. It felt yeah. like an eternity. And or you don't
0: want people to like, pick up on it, maybe. Yes,
1: that was a big thing in the beginning of like. Why wh- are you drinking
0: water? What's wrong? Why are you drinking water? exactly? So
1: water? Like I've gone. I I remember being at a wedding and watching a girl who I thought was pregnant order champagne, and I'm like, oh, then she must not. And she just passed it off to someone, but she went through the the act of ordering yeah. it just to fit in. And it's like that's like kind of like screwed up in our culture. Well, it says
0: something, to the idea of, and I think everybody, even if you've taken a month off or a little bit of time off, or for whatever reason, you're pregnant, you don't drink, there's always, maybe not everyone's had this experience, but you'll find somebody will really notice. And yes. they will zoom in on that. Why aren't you drinking? What's wrong? Yeah. And it's really bothers them. Yes. And it's, you know, it obviously has a lot to do with a lot of other things, but yeah, it speaks to, that story you just told of what somebody might go through just to avoid that even because well, it could be almost
1: like uncomfortable or what if like she didn't know she was pregnant yet or she thought maybe she would be and she wants to err on the side of caution and not drink like you don't yeah it, it, and i never really because i didn't <laughs> know the
0: opposite if they think if they know you're pregnant let's yes. let's, let's say you do have a champagne yeah it's like the judgment flips completely to the other right, side right
1: and, and like we know that that's not that big of a deal but right. like the, yes there's a judgment because it's in the social thing i mean if I, it was
0: that big of a deal like considering how much my parents must have drank right and smoked when, yep. Same here. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it's, and, and, you know, it's, it was so interesting to see the bottles and to see how like, okay, this is something that really could have its place and just like calm everything down. Like we don't, you know, this, we had a year of not socializing, you know, going back and going, <laughs> going back and being released into the wild in, in a couple months. It's like,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's you coming. know, it's coming. <laughs> uh, I do wonder, I mean, this is something, it hasn't come up as much yet because people aren't really doing anything, but it's come up a little bit with clients of, okay, you're going to a barbecue. Like, let's talk about this. Let's let's talk about what your day is going to look like. Let's talk about a good choice for breakfast on a day where maybe your carb intake is going to be a little bit higher. And then, yeah, the the alcohol conversation will come up. Like, do you plan on drinking? Are you, if if you're not, great. If you are, let's talk about it. Here are some options to that would be a better choice. Here's how to space it out. Or, you know, having those alcohol-free options where nobody really, I would say nobody has to know, but it could, not that it needs to be secret, but that it could be something where it it does, it's not a red flag. Like, oh, she's just drinking water out of a cup.
0: Well, the thing I do too is I don't have to hide this because whatever I'm drinking stands on its own. Exactly. You know what? Yeah, it is alcohol-free and I like it, and here's why, and this, and try. And it's tasty, it and it.
1: And again, yeah. it. You know, a lot of times people are drinking at nighttime because they're stressed. They like the taste of it. um So sometimes it, it, It's not even so much that it's alcohol. It's just they want that ritual of having something just tasty. You know, with your meal or after your meal. I always say not before the meal because if your stomach is empty. Alcohol yeah. free or not, you know, you don't want to be putting anything yeah. no really. No in-
0: rules here, but I think the one that seems to be coming out is <laughs> just drink it with don't food. Jump, uh, yeah, jump out of that car and pour yourself a scotch first thing.
1: Which yeah. people do, of I course. Mean, it's yes. the
0: classic Mad men. I get home and put on my slippers. Whenever I, I see
1: those images, I'm like, I'm like, that me. is sugar hitting an empty stomach. All they had was oysters at lunch. Like that's not going <laughs> to sustain a martini and oyster a martini at lunch. oysters. A it's not going to sustain them though. Their blood sugar is going to be out of control.
0: What, um, with, you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, this is coming to an end. So for those of you who are listening, God knows when, uh, it is May 4th, 2021. So here in the United States, things are opening up. New York city opens up officially, according to bill de Blasio, um, July 1st, meaning everything's opening. We'll see. But I think, you know, knowing I, I haven't been in the city for, for a couple months. And um, I have heard that that's already happening. Um, and people are starting to think about that. It's also spring. So we're halfway through spring and things are definitely warming up. And And I don't wanna limit this just to alcohol, uh, back kind of broadening it to habits, good habits, that has a nutritional aspect, alcohol consumption's another aspect. Um, you know, I know myself, like there's been times during the pandemic, I'm like, I'm smoking cigarettes. What am I doing? And, um, I, you know, are how much of this do you think will last? And when I say this, I mean, like I come to you and talk. I need to think about my nutrition or I need to consider my alcohol and not drinking and I need to do this and I should be doing that. And this idea that people have had time to reflect whatever that means, on themselves, on their family, on their direction, on nutrition and and alcohol consumption are really just examples of a broader kind of spectrum of life dimensions that people might be thinking about and have had time to take stock in, whatever that means. And I think, you know, it could be everything from, yeah, we'll see, like, do you think some of this will stick? A, have you seen that? So I think we've definitely seen some of that increased alcohol consumption and then people looking at it or maybe people looking at it right off the bat have you seen that in nutrition like are people asking questions coming to to folks like you more because of the pandemic and then and I know it's hard to predict the future but in six months or in a year is everyone just gonna you know is this all going to be gone and everyone will be back to the way it was I had a co- well we have learned anything
1: i had a conversation with someone today about you know will the virtual concept be here in six months a lot of my so i am based here in madison but obviously yeah,
0: probably one of only a couple most of your customers most of my are clients nationwide. are virtual
1: nationwide um that was never part of my business plan so the thing that i noticed and certainly we're, we're all doing this i mean you're you're doing this we're i'm doing this the thing that the pandemic pandemic has shifted the focus to is our health because at the end of the day it's all we have right. you know we yes. we are busting our butts we're working but if if, our, if we don't have our health none of that's going to happen we're not going to be there to see the fruits of our labor so the pandemic i think has shifted all of us inward like okay i'm told to wear masks socially distance wash my hands great we weren't doing this beforehand you know, certainly right. people were not washing their hands as much no. or, or or really taking their health seriously so i've seen a shift of people finally taking the time to take care of themselves so yes i mean in the virtual model working and being accessible to people you know in yeah. texas where in the middle of their work day they get to talk to their nutritionist from their living room is right. awesome so i do hope i mean i hope that stays i mean because it's working it's it's not this thing where oh my goodness like i can't i can't have a nutritionist like there's that that's too that's too much i have seen the shift to oh wait like i do need to invest some time and energy and some money into my health because it's all i have so i hope that continues that trend yeah. continues um i mean pretty much everyone has lost somebody to the pandemic and i think that not that we all want to be reminded of it but it's like oh okay you know yeah. life is short i i should be spending more time with my family i should be you know spending time, a bit of time calling and, money on and, spend, and spending yeah. time on myself i mean I, I that's the shift i've seen i mean as a nutritionist i'm happy to say business has been booming because people are finally taking it serious I also do think people are sick of feeling crappy. They're sick of feeling tired and low energy all the time. And they're like, okay, there has to be someone out there who can help me, whether it be a nutritionist like myself or even a chiropractor to go fix your trainer, things like that. I mean, it's, I'm part of a bigger picture of wellness people who are there to make you feel your best. Um, And I do, I have seen that shift, though, because of the pandemic. Again, our health is so unbelievably important.
0: Yeah. And I think it's harder for, uh, because of what we're doing being so new, either A, we're new, and B, it's a kind of a micro trend, really, at this point, in terms of people, even, and then some of that's just lack of awareness. Um, it's hard to know how much kind of, kind of, m- people kind of taking time to think about it is is really something that was happening anyways. Like people taking time for themselves and hopefully being a bit more mindful about that, I think was happening before I the pandemic probably turbocharged that. Oh, absolutely. Just like it did, you know, the mobile workforce, that the gig economy, that was, these were terms that existed before the pandemic came around. And now, you know, I run into people who might've commuted even four days a week, let alone five. And they're like, no, I'm not. It's not a question of, Will they go back? It's like, they won't go back. Right,
1: like, right. They're not going
0: to do it. And then it's a question of war for talent will probably force companies to offer things. Plus, there's an incentive for them to save money from an office space perspective. So I think there's a, there, you know, it's happening in every aspect. And I think yeah. a lot of people, I, myself included, is like, hey, wait, I've learned a lot. I've gained a lot. I've, you know, I, I don't want to give up this stuff. And I can, you know, yeah, I'm spending money on things maybe I... Before the pandemic, I was like, there's no way I'm going to spend money on a service for this or a service for that. And it's like, well, what compared to your bar bill or compared to, you know, your restaurant bill
1: or in my which, case, medical bills,
0: Yeah, medical <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bills. like the the alternative, some of that money that was freed up. It's actually a micro it's a slice. It's a sub slice of that. So, yeah, I think it, I'm certainly very interested to see what happens. I think there will be. um some where it's like, Hey, party's back on. It's gonna be an interesting summer. It's I, gonna be very... <laughs> I have no clue what's going to happen. Um, I am sure we'll be talking about it yes. uh, again and, uh, here in Madison and also in New York city in the Northeast, seeing what's happening and also nationwide. Uh, it will be interesting and hopefully we'll get a chance to circle back and talk about some of these things that we are speculating about now to see what actually happens. So with that, I want to thank you for coming into the office here. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, and having uh, a quick look around and coming to talk to us about alcohol and nutrition.
1: Yeah, I think thank you, you. I appreciate it a lot. This has been great.
0: Okay, thanks guys. Thank you for tuning in to Alcohol-Free Radio, and we will see you next time. Take care. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Alcohol-Free Radio. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on social media or through email at hello at betterroads.com great to be here with you all together. Take care.